This podcast is by G. Wayne Miller for the Providence Journal. I'm the chief health strategist for the city of Central Falls. Um, that means I work, I do a lot of, I consult closely with the mayor and city council um, and uh, try to help develop and run programs uh, to help protect the health and safety of everyone in the city. What we know is that Central Falls was the most infected city in Rhode Island. Um, and it had the highest hospitalization rate in Rhode Island. In the past couple of weeks, the data suggest that the number of new cases per 100,000 per day fell in half, um, which is phenomenal if true. We're not convinced it's true because uh, it may be affected by the access to testing over the holiday. Uh, We certainly hear anecdotally that the disease is robustly present in the city with many people infected. There were 50 people infected or or tested positive on Monday alone um, in a city of about about 20,000. So the projection from the Department of Health is that 50% of the city has already had COVID-19 and that by the end of January, 100% are likely to get it if we can't interfere by vaccination. Uh, We have not been very effective at uh, restraining its spread, though we've tried all sorts of things. You know, we started beat COVID-19. We we developed a hotline for people who are infected and got people tested even when there wasn't much testing being made available by the state. Um, We got people into isolation very quickly. We have uh, 16 health ambassadors who patrol the streets in cool orange getup, helping people stay masked. We have a measured masking percentage of about 100%. You know, if you go around the streets, everybody's got a mask on um, because of great collaboration between the health ambassadors and the the police um, and fire and city hall, everybody working together. Um, But clearly the disease is still present and still spreading. uh, And we are hoping that we will get the city vaccinated and stop the spread that way. The vaccination process has begun. Uh, We vaccinated about 900 people last week uh, and vaccination continues though. What we understand is we'll be getting about a thousand doses a week. Um, And so, you know, we're trying to figure out how to, get those doses into arms as quickly as we can. What are some of the factors that have contributed to Central Falls being hit so hard by coronavirus? Well, there are two. Well, there's really one when you put it together and it's poverty. Um, You know, what, and it's poverty that expresses itself in two ways. First, by people's need to work and keep working Um, in order just to stay alive. And the other is that people live in densely packed housing. So on the the working side, you know, during the pause and during the lockdown before that, people in Central Falls had to go out to work regardless. You know, know, only 10% or so of people of color uh, can work from home. Most uh, Most people of color have jobs that require them to be out and about and interacting with other people. 
So people work in factories and in fish houses and on construction sites and uh, doing uh, uh, meat in meatpacking plants and work doing office cleaning and house cleaning and so forth. And those are all those are all jobs that take people, you know, into the streets and and into close interaction with others. You know, there are some jitneys that leave uh, Calgary Street on Central Falls about six o'clock every morning, going to factories all across New England. Um, and they will be packed with 10 or 12 or 14 people who are going to work together, you know, organized by labor contractors. Um, and that means in those jitneys, the disease spreads. And in, in those factories, the disease spreads. And on the construction sites, the disease spreads. So people get the disease at work and then they come home to houses that have six, eight, 10, 12 people living in a two bedroom apartment, living with one kitchen and one bathroom. And that is the perfect condition for disease to spread uh, rapidly in families. So let's take a larger view. And this is something that you're, um, you're, you've written about many times, healthcare revolt, certainly, and, and that is systemic inequities. I mean, th- there's a larger story here certainly involving Central Falls, but involving the state, the rest of the state, and the nation. Talk, talk about those. Will there be an awakening here, if that's the word? I don't think it's the right word. A better understanding? Will there be change? Speak to that, Michael. I hope and pray, but I don't think so. You know, I think, uh, I think COVID-19 has been called the great revealer. Um, it has revealed how uh, racism and how poverty um, and how asking people to live in poverty has impacted the health of those people. Um, it has revealed that densely packed housing spreads disease, something people in public health have known since 1848. And public health is really about documenting and then trying to fix the impact of poverty on the health of populations. So this is not new, but we haven't changed it yet. And if you look at the history of the United States of the last 25 or 30 years, we've seen progressive income inequality um, and progressive privatization of sort of public life. Um, And as we allow private profit from public goods, we actually help increase income inequality People, poor people get poorer, rich people get richer, um, and uh, and it doesn't seem to change. And I don't see change in this. You know, if you look at, if you follow the money in this, you know, Boeing got nineteen billion dollars, and and you know, all sorts of big companies got all sorts of money to uh, sustain their operations, which I suppose is a good thing. But we didn't provide the same kind of direct payment to poor and working people altogether. We did some to people who were laid off, um, which was a good thing, but we didn't find a way to to address the needs of people who are undocumented in that equation. Um, And, you know, I haven't seen anything that tells me we're going to a 15 or 20, $20 an hour minimum wage. You know, that would help fix this. I haven't seen anything that, tells me we're starting all sorts of very impressive public housing so that everybody has a place to live that's safe and healthy. 
you know, those are the things that will matter to change, to, to protect this, to keep this from happening in the future. Um, and I haven't seen it. And, and let me tell you, it worries me. It upsets me. It causes me to lose sleep because COVID-19, you know, SARS-CoV-2, the virus that causes COVID-19, is a cold virus. It's a very, you know, it's, it's, it's easily transmissible, but it's not a virus that kills lots of people who get it. You know, this is, this is like a softball, you know, a soft pitch to sort of get us warmed up because the, the bad virus is evolving out there someplace. The bad virus, the one that kills 50 to 75% of the people who get it um, is going to evolve. And the question is whether we will be prepared for it when it comes by doing things like making sure no one lives in poverty, making sure there's safe and healthy housing for everyone, making sure there's good transportation for everyone. These are the things that will help us prevent this in the future. And I'm not seeing and hearing we're really making progress toward those goals. That sort of change, of course, would require change at the municipal level, the state level, but also the federal level. Is that a correct statement? I think, I think change is in government, but I think it also requires a different ethic and a different culture. You know, I come from a tradition that says it is immoral to profit from the misfortunes of others. Um, we have allowed the profit for misfortunes to others to be the source of fortunes in the United States. And if we're going to change this, we have to change our ethic to stop that so that, you know, when we develop a vaccine, it's public property and uh, nobody profits off the vaccine. When we develop testing so that nobody profits off testing, when we have schools that no one's making profit off schools, you know, that, that we invest in our kids and our future and their future um, and invest in our communities. And that means, you know, people who are making lots of money probably have to make some less, you know, in order to share it all around. We have plenty of resources. We just don't distribute them intelligently. And and I'm not, you know, this is not a, a socialist, not capitalist argument. This is about you know, how we, how we govern ourselves inside a capitalist economy. Um, we have done better in the past. We have lost it, apparently, for the last 20 or 30 years. And we need to get the ethic of taking care of everyone back in so that capitalism, as we know it, uh, is sustainable. This way, we're going to end up fighting with each other, destroying the democracy, and nobody having anything. 